Savior of the world is born, choir sings. Rejoice, our King is here. Men of earth and angels cheer. Oh, glory right before our eyes. Majesty.
Luke records, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own home. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The whole narrative of Jesus' birth is so incredibly disruptive. We've been looking at some of that. It was completely and totally disruptive. You're dealing with the disruption to Mary's life. Here she is, this young girl, and an angel has visited her and has told her, you're going to be with child, and the child that you are going to conceive is going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit? And not only that, you have Joseph. He's a, he's a just man, the Bible tells us, and he is, he is engaged to... Mary, and now he finds out that she's pregnant, and she's pregnant with a child who is not his, and this is going to bring such scandal and shame, possibly, upon their family. And then add to that, the Roman war machine, the Roman government is saying, we want to know how many people we have that can serve in our military, and also for the purposes of taxes, we're going to have you go back to your ancestral home. And so Mary and Joseph have to make that trip between 80 to 100 miles or so, and they make the trip from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. Now, the route they would have taken would have taken them through the Jordan Valley. And the Jordan Valley was known for being full of wild animals, full of, being, uh, full of bandits and robbers, and the inclement weather that could shift on a dime was an ever-present danger. And that's what they faced. Most travelers would travel somewhere around 20 miles a day, but with Mary being pregnant, that number might have dropped down to 10 miles per day. So it possibly could have taken them nine, 10 days, maybe more, to make the trip from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. It was completely and totally disruptive. It was, it was, it was totally inconvenient. It was wholly inconvenient that this happened, that they do this from, per, from a human perspective, from a human vantage point, it is wholly, entirely inconvenient. But that's not God's vantage point. God's vantage point was one that said, yes, from a human's perspective, this is entirely, it is wholly inconvenient. But from God's perspective, this is a holy invasion. And it's a holy invasion that was spoken of many, many years before. If you go all the way back to the book of Micah, you find there's a prophet. There's a, the prophecy in the book of Micah in the Old Testament about this very thing. Listen to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathath, why Bethlehem Ephrathath? Well, it's because there were two Bethlehems. One was nearby, up in the Galilee region, near Nazareth. The other Bethlehem is the Bethlehem we're speaking of. The one is south of Jerusalem. And Micah, many years before the birth of Messiah, says, Bethlehem Ephrathath. You southern Bethlehem, you're the one that's going to see this miraculous event occur. From human perspective, it was, a, it was wholly inconvenient. 
from God's vantage point, this was a holy invasion. God himself was sending his son. And why was he sending him son? Why was he sending him to earth to live among us? Well, the Bible makes it clear in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the point of Jesus' arrival. That's the point of Christmas. Jesus comes to dwell among us, to live for us, to die for us, to live a perfect life, the life that we could not live, die a sinner's death, the death that we deserved, so that we may receive his righteousness. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, this birth of Jesus there in Bethlehem, that seemed pretty inconsequential so far as the world was concerned. I mean, if we back out and look at it from a human perspective, it's so incredibly inconsequential. A Palestinian, a Palestinian Jewish baby laid in a feeding trough after being born to an unwed teenage mother who was there as the result of a government-mandated road trip. That's what brought them there. And yet, that was God's plan. And make no mistake about it, that first cry from the newborn baby Jesus, that cry was the battle cry of a king himself. The king of kings. The Emmanuel God with us, our Lord, our Savior. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for that holy invasion where you invaded earth with one who was completely and totally righteous, who would live a perfect life, in complete line to your perfect holy standard. Truth itself, the word of God embodied in the person of Jesus. Thank you for his sacrificial death. Thank you for his glorious resurrection. And thank you for his perfect promise that for those who trust in him for salvation will see you face to face. Thank you for Emmanuel, for God with us. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.
If you came in and did not get um, a, some bread and a cup, if you would like to participate in the Lord's Supper, would you just raise your hand and someone will give you one? It's been a while since we have, we have uh, had the Lord's Supper. We've experienced communion together because of, of COVID. And so uh, we thought that today as we're gathered together to, to celebrate the birth of Christ, what better time to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper as we reflect upon not only his birth, but the reason he was born. Uh, he came to live, as we mentioned earlier, live a sinless life and die in our place. And so whenever you look throughout history, you find that if you start at the occupied manger, the occupied manger leads directly to an occupied cross. And the glorious truth is that occupied cross leads to an unoccupied tomb. And that unoccupied tomb leads to an occupied throne. And so we have great hope in that. But we just want to, we just want to take a moment here. And we want to reflect upon the true reason for the season. That is, Jesus came to die in our place. That was the reason he's, he was born, to save his people from their sins. Paul makes mention of the Lord's Supper over in the book of 1 Corinthians. And I just want us to take a moment and reflect upon this. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Paul writes, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without the discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So this is, this is not some mere ritual that we're going through. This isn't some yeah, yeah, ceremony that we do from time to time. No, this is reflecting upon the sacrifice of Christ. And Paul makes it very clear that we are to be very discerning whenever we partake of the body and blood of Christ in this way. And so I would like for us just to take a moment and just go before God, each one of us individually in our hearts, and ask God if there is anything at all that would hinder us from receiving this in the right way, in a worshipful way way. I was thinking this morning, one of the most powerful witnesses that I can remember was a friend of mine I was sitting next to in the middle of a service. And whenever uh, the, the cup and the bread was being passed around, my friend did not take it. And I leaned over and I said, is there a problem? My friend said, there are some things that I need to get right with God. And it's going to take more than just a few moments. And so I'm going back to what Paul said. I just don't believe that I need to do this right now. And that's in line with what God is saying through the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians. But I'd like for us to take just a moment and just pray. And if there's anything between you and God, you and someone else, let's just take a moment and ask God to cleanse us before we take the Lord's Supper together. Father, as we come before you, we're thankful for the sacrifice of Christ and we're thankful that as we reflect upon things that might stand in the way of us receiving this in the right way, we recognize that even that, even those, no matter what they are, they are covered by your blood. And so, Father, we just give you thanks and praise for that glorious truth and we pray in these moments as we enter into this time of worship that Christ would be glorified and we ask this in Jesus name Amen
Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming the death of the Messiah. And how long are we to do that? Until he returns. The first coming of Jesus invariably points to the second coming of Jesus. And I have to ask this morning, do you have that hope? at the second coming of Christ. Have you placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone? That that little baby that was born some 2,000 years ago would grow into a man and that man would give his life on a cruel cross on behalf of our sins. Do you believe that? Have you trusted him today? No matter where you are, if you're here today, if you're viewing online or watching later or listening later, let me encourage you. If you come to Christ, if you repent of your sins, if you place your faith in him that he is who he says he is and that he did exactly what he said he did, that he is the son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death that he did not deserve so that we could receive salvation, which we did not deserve, then you will be saved. That is the promise that is found in Christ. And that is the promise that was made long, long ago, that was foretold by the prophets, that was made manifest at the birth of Jesus, and that came to fruition on the cross in the empty tomb and now Jesus is in heaven and one day he will return his first advent points toward his second advent and we anxiously await his return his glorious return where he will set all things right let's pray Lord Jesus thank you thank you for your gift thank you for your gift that is you and we pray that our time together today has been glorifying and honoring to you. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. It's in your name we ask. Amen.
the stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs. <laughs>